0: Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. Well, how many believe that God is faithful? Yeah, why don't we do this? Come on. And he asks us to cast all our cares on him. So why are we keeping them? Why do we hold on to our fears? We sang it this morning, I'm no longer a slave to fear. So why would you hold on to your fear when God says, bring it here? I remember as a little kid, we used to hear that little bell, ding, 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 ding. It was the ice cream man. Did you ever grow up where there was an ice cream man who came on the street? If you didn't, you missed out. And one day, a lady on my street with one of those aprons with pockets, remember those, said, "Ell the kids, come. I'm buying you free ice cream. I thought, wow, I never ran so fast. And I got one of those big, long, they used to call them big sticks. They were five cents. I'm old. <laughs> then they went to 10 cents. I said, how dare you? Could you imagine God saying, hey, I'm out here, man, and your life is overwhelmed, you you feel overwhelmed. Would Would you come and for free give me all your cares and all the weight because I'm a faithful God? i got far more than ice cream to give you. I've got grace and mercy and love, forgiveness. I can take care of you when you can't take care of yourself. I can give you wisdom and answers. I can place dreams inside your heart. I can help you realize your potential. I can give you the power of my Holy Spirit and gifts beyond what you naturally possess. I can help the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance too. I was glad I went to VBS. We used to sing a song. I can do the miraculous in and through your life. So why would you hold anything back? You know, yesterday at the car show, I had the privilege of serving along with some of the LFC members, and thank you for coming out and helping us. There were hundreds and hundreds of people, and there were all kinds of cars. I mean, a couple of cars, because I'm a car guy, were probably worth in the four to 500000 range. And some cars... Maybe 10 grand. So we had a plethora of cars. One car was kind of on the rusty side, and they call it patina. That's a nice word for saying I'm not getting it painted. (laughs) And the front fender was red, and the other fender was green, and there was a big old rust spot in the back quarter panel and the the hood was painted primer, and the back, the trunk lid was rusted out, and the headliner, there wasn't one, and the seats were ripped, and the foam was coming out. Come on. And I wish I took a picture. I, Sorry, I didn't. But on the bumper sticker, it said these words, this is not an abandoned car. You know, if I was God, I might have looked down at this earth and said, let the world fend for itself. I made Adam and Eve and paradise, and they screwed it up. By the way, God did not sit in heaven saying, you're an abandoned world, and if you can ever find me with his arms crossed, I will come to you, but you got to look for me. That's not what God did. By his love and by his grace, he sent Jesus Christ, his son, God in the flesh, to our world that should have been abandoned, and he extended his love and grace to us. I am so grateful to God for what he did. And if God never answers another one of my prayers or never does another miracle for me or never even allows me to sense his presence ever again, because he saved me, because he gave me his love and his grace and mercy, I owe him worship for all eternity. I owe him worship forever and ever and ever. God, you don't have to do another thing for me, though you do. You will, and you're faithful. But God, simply because you allowed me access into your presence. See, God didn't say, you come find me. God came and found us. You can read that in John 15. Where's your proof text? John 15. I did not choose him. He chose me. He came and looked for me. Isn't that cool? He came and looked for you. Those of you online, he came looking for you. Now we're going to read a very familiar passage. We find it in Matthew 22, 37, 38, and 39. And they're trying to trip Jesus up with questions. What's the most important thing, Lord? What's the greatest commandment, Lord? And you know this. Let's read it together. To love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and most important command. Do you agree with that? And the second, let's read on, command is like the first, love Love your neighbor as yourself. See, out of the power of God's love to us flows the power of God's love through us to the world. We have had a motto around here for many, many, many years. And it simply goes like this, connect everything back to a soul. Connect everything back to a soul. So when we're serving at the Harvest Block Party, like when we block the street off, or on Monday nights when we're feeding the under-resourced a hot meal, Or when we're hosting blood drives here in our connection building so people don't have to go in that little stuffy van and trailer, and during the pandemic, they weren't allowed to, but we were hosting blood drives here on Mondays. Or we're serving at a car show like yesterday, or we're in the schools, or we're helping with school supplies, or we're ministering to the police and fire department, or we're helping people who can't help themselves, or we're planning churches, or we're helping with missions, whatever... We do, we can connect it back to a soul. See, when you love your neighbor as you love yourself, you can connect that back to a soul. Does what I do make a difference? You bet it does. When you do it in the name of Christ and you do it with his heart. When we connect with Vandenberg Air Force Base, now Space Force Base, guardians and our wonderful airmen. When we bless businesses in our town as we have. God takes notice of that and uses what we do to make a great difference in the lives of others. Why? Because grace, you can write this down, you note-takers, is powered by love. If grace is powered by the flesh, it won't last very long. If grace is powered by your personal motivation or manipulation, it will not last very long. But if your grace is powered by the love of Jesus, God will keep replenishing what you give away. I love what Jude said in Jude 21. Keep yourself in God's love as you wait for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ to bring you eternal life. It's up to you and me to keep ourselves in God's love. What I've learned about this world, and especially the last few years, is it will suck the love right out of you. Come on. If you read social media, if you read the headline news, if you listen to all the political agendas, you could be a person that gets really sour like you sucked on a case of lemons. And we got enough of Christians like that to last up a lifetime, don't we? Come on. Good, all three of you. Hey, Pastor Erwin McManus, he pastors a Mosaic church, and and uh, he gets invited to speak at some incredible venues. He's, Consulted with Disney and with Paramount and Universal and some great, great artists and people. And, and here's what he says. It is in serving that the church finds her strength. When she ceases to serve the world around her, she begins to atrophy. When the church refuses to serve the world, she begins to waste away. We have seen that happen, no doubt, in different churches where all the arrows pointed inward. But LFC has always been and will continue to be a church that says, God, where can we make a difference in our community, in our county, in our country, and in our world? I am thrilled that these two guys have come, Caden and Courtney. But why? Because this church has always invested in the next generation. Now, I don't have time to tell you this story, but I, I'm going to do it anyway, and this is the last service, so what can they do to me, right? Anyway. The clock is running down. We have this timer up there. Some of you, if you ever look around, you'll see it. It tells me I have 20 minutes and 29 seconds left, but that's okay. I met a dear lady by the name of Stella Alcott. That name will mean nothing to anybody in this room, except when I came to this church, she was in the convalescent center. She used to travel with Amy Simple McPherson, the founder of Foursquare. And uh, incredible story. She helped pour the concrete for the original sanctuary for the footings and for the foundation, and she was in charge of children's ministries here back in the day. And I went to meet her in a convalescent center. She wasn't speaking too much then. Her hand was about the size of two fingers together. She was pretty old and shriveled up. And I said, Stella, Stella, Stella. I was yelling at the top of my voice, Stella, the nurse, came over. She's not hard of hearing. She's hard of remembering. (laughs) So I turned my voice down. I said, Stella, I'm the pastor at Lompoc Foursquare. Oh, tears came down her face. She said, pastor, pastor, pastor. I said, "Yep, that's what I told you, pastor, like 40 times pastor. And I prayed with her and prayed over her. And with every ounce of energy and memory she had, she said, don't forget the children. Hmm. Don't forget the children. Well, her husband was still alive, and he was also in the convalescent center. He came over in his wheelchair, tears down his face. Oh, you heard my wife again, huh, children? That's all she talks about. He said, we had a prophecy when we built that church. And if we took care of the youth and the children, the Lord's hand would be upon us. And if ever we stopped, his hand would move away. Hey, folks, I'm not smart, but I know what smart is. So for all these years, even before me with Pastor Rich Taylor and different ones who've gone before me, they all got the message, never neglect the feeding and the care of the lambs Actually, Jesus told Peter twice, feed my lambs, feed my lambs, once feed my sheep. That's make make sure the kids have what they need. Make sure they have the word. Make sure we invest in them. So, guys, I am so grateful that you've joined this team, and God's going to use you to love and grace the next generation. Isn't that good? Yeah, and I think Stella was right on. Now, I know she's in the presence of Jesus, enjoying the fruits of her labor for all eternity. But it reminds me of Jesus. Philippians 2. By the way, that was all introduction. Now we get into the heart of the word. If you have any encouragement, Paul writes, being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete. This is, this is Paul doing his Stella. He's saying, do, do this. You want to make my joy complete? Be like-minded. Have the same love. Be one in spirit and in purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Do nothing, nothing for yourself. Come on, selfish, vain, or conceit. But in humility, consider others better than yourselves. And each of us should look not only to their own interests, but also the interests of others. And then, here's the juggler. You ready? Somebody said, Pastor, when are you going to challenge me? Here you go. Your attitude. Your heart, your mind, depending on what version you read, should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. And when I read that, my soul shakes. What's my high-water mark? What's my model? It's Jesus. What did he do? He, in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing. And I have to ask myself the question, Bernie, how often do you make yourself nothing? taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself. Don't you want to ask yourself the question, am I humble? He became obedient to death. How many times do we have to die to ourselves, our own motivations, ambitions, goals? I pray you never have to die on a cross. Actually, you don't because Jesus did once and for all. Come on, amen. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So yesterday I saw all kinds of people, all kinds of nationalities. I met a family from Australia that was visiting. It was kind of great to hear their accent. And I met a guy from Germany who was here with his grandson, and he wanted to get on our pedal cars. He was bigger than me. That's all I'll say about that. The tires were a little flat. And then I met kids who were running the Hot Wheels track. They were getting Hot Wheels. If you win the race, you get to keep the car. And we ran out of cars, and Elizabeth had to go buy more cars, and it was so great. Sometimes we think about missions, and I believe in missions, and we should go on missions trips to be impacted. But the mission field has come even to Lompoc. I know L.A. is a melting pot, 112 languages spoken in L.A. County. But I met Hmong people yesterday and Filipino people. Boy, I love their food. We had 11 food trucks out there representing all kinds of different ethnicities of foods from noodles and ramen to kekas. (laughs) Those are good, by the way. I had one. I'm still paying the price. I was at Vandenberg twice last week, and I got to meet all kinds of ethnicities serving our country and serving so well. And I go, Lord, you put the mission field in our backyard. And some of you live in neighborhoods where people look nothing like you and make food that's nothing like yours. And God brought the mission field to Lompoc in Santa Barbara County. I want to share a couple of verses. Actually, you're going to read them with me because I know you're great at reading. Let's read it. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. Anybody glad for that? Yeah. So why should we judge the world? Ephesians 2.8. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works. So no one gets to boast. Aren't you glad that grace has come to you? If you know Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've received grace, and you did not deserve it. Come on. I receive what I don't deserve, his mercy, his grace, his forgiveness. And then John 7, 38, let's read it. Whoever believes in me, as the Scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from... Yeah, and I ask myself the question, is the water I'm giving out to people, is it living water? Is it sarcastic water? Is it filled with some kind of agenda, listen, I want the love and grace of God to flow through me all the days of my life. And I want that for each of you. And when you wake up in the morning, you say, Holy Spirit, fall afresh on me and flow through me to people around me. True Christianity is, and here's my definition, you can agree or disagree. You have the right to do that. But true Christianity is a humble reception of grace and a confident embrace of love. I am a humble person receiving this grace that I do not deserve, and I'm embracing his love. Christianity is a complete belief and acceptance of the Savior, Jesus Christ, and a full surrender to him. It's not just my fire insurance that's going to keep me from going to hell, but he's my life today. I come to give you life and life more abundant, John 10.10. And then Christianity is serving as Jesus served and giving as he gave. You cannot be a Christian and be stingy. I'm sorry. You cannot be a Christian and not be concerned about the salvation of your friends and your neighbors. I'm sorry. John Ortberg said it really well. He said, spirituality rightly understood is a life of wonder and awe and joy and simplicity and worship and gratitude and servanthood, humility, courage, and truth. Always its central characteristic is love. And they will know we are Christians by our, by our love. That's an old song, man. We should bring it back. The world is tired, Orberg went on to say, of Christians who proclaim that they know the right beliefs and are committed to the right values, but in whom there is no love or grace. A gentleman walked up to me yesterday and said, Pastor, can I talk to you for a minute? Well, sure. I'm out in the park. Why not? Uh, You make no appointments when you're out in the park. Anybody can come to you and tell you anything they want. And he came up and he said, I'm tired of Christians. Okay. And while he's talking, I'm saying, Lord, give me a good answer here. I'm tired of Christians. They've grown so judgmental and so compartmentalized, and they've allowed the world's ways to infiltrate them. And I said, so you're, you're, you're tired of them? Are you still loving towards them? Right? He said, oh, it's hard sometimes because I'm starting to be a product of what I keep hearing. I said, well, stop listening. <laughs> (laughs) I said, why don't you be like the Batmobile? We're at a car show. I said, the Batmobile, if you remember right, one push of the button and all of a sudden it closed up like an armadillo. I said, what if you stopped listening to all those voices? What if you disconnected from some of those social media outlets? And what if you allowed the Word of God to touch your heart? And I pointed, I said, you see that lady there? She's giving Hot Wheels to kids. You see that gentleman there? He's bending down helping kids do pedal cars on a Saturday. That's not judgmental. That's serving. That's making a difference. You see our people, they're out here serving. Why? Because God served them. We want to love people so much, eventually they ask us why. You can file that. Love your neighbors so much that eventually they ask you why. Why are you loving me? And then you can tell them, because Jesus Christ loved me. Come on. That'll preach. Put that in your hip pocket or in your purse. Come on. I'm going to love my neighbor so much that eventually they ask us why. Let me give you some things that grace makes. It's a proclamation. There's three of them. Only God can forgive me. Only God. Anybody glad you're forgiven? Come on. I know it's hot in here, but anybody glad you're forgiven? Mark 2.7 says, who can forgive sins but God alone? The second thing is that that grace makes a proclamation that only God can judge my neighbor. Oh, it's getting really quiet now. Hebrews 12, 23, God is the judge of all men. But pastor, I want to judge my neighbor, not your assignment. Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself, not judge him, not throw stones. He without sin, throw the first stone, Not, not your job. And by the way, God has not called you to be your neighbor's personal Holy Spirit. You're responsible to love people. God's responsible to convince people. And the Holy Spirit's responsible to convict people. That's not your job. You let your light so shine before men and women that they see your good works and glorify God in heaven. That's your assignment. Yeah, but my neighbor, oh, he's a teenager. He's got this Honda Civic with an exhaust system that's so loud, it's illegal. And he plays his stereo. Come on, anybody know anybody like that? Boo, boo, boo. And the license plate's rattling on the car. I saw a guy like that at the car show. His car was a piece of junk. But he paid 30 bucks to support the police and put a the car show. And old Pastor B went over and said, man, that's a cool car. And a couple guys with, you know, with this cool Nova with an LS motor and another guy with a Corvette, somebody with a Shelby Super Snake Cobra, 1,100 horsepower. What would you do with that horsepower? Have fun. Anyway, they're all looking at me like I'm a weirdo. And I told this kid, hey, that's a cool car. And he said, yeah. I said, show me your motor. He had all this chrome stuff. And I said, man, that looks cool. And he said, yeah, look at that bracket right there. My grandpa and I fabricated that ourselves. And I said, man, you got a great grandpa. You're learning about cars. Yeah, I did this and this. I turned those wrenches and I'm bragging about his car. Can I tell you in five minutes, I made a friend all over a stupid car? God will use any, he'll use basketball. He will. You play basketball. He loved, this guy loves basketball. You play basketball with students, you rub shoulders, you sweat with them, pretty soon they become your friend. Some of you like to barbecue and cook. Some of you make cookies. Listen, get that kid on your street with that loud car, and make him cookies. You become his friend. See, God will use foolish things, the Bible says, to confound the wise. And God will use you and me as we try to be the heart, the love, the grace of Jesus to the world around us. God will use us. And God, God reminds us of this one. We must accept who God accepts. Are there people we may not care for? Yes. Are there people we not, may not vote like? Yes. But does any of that matter? in the scheme of heaven and eternity? No. So whoever God accepts, you accept. By the way, uh, this church has six front doors. Have you noticed? Some of you old timers have heard me say this before. When we expanded this sanctuary, we were not required to put those two extra entry doors in there, but that was the design of yours truly and our council. And here's why we said we want six doors. It's symbolic. Anybody can come here. We don't just have two front doors like some churches or four front doors. We have six. And when you see those doors, next time you'll think about them differently. That's because we welcome everyone. Why? Because everyone is accepted in God. Even those far from God, even those who are dealing with addictions, even those who are different than you and me, God opens his grace and his heart to everyone. So what do I know about Jesus? Well, let me summarize him this way. John 1 14. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father. Would you read this last line? Full of. Yeah, that's Jesus. A balance of truth. In other words, he didn't deny sin, he called people out. But he also had grace. While those. Gentlemen, those wise gentlemen were coming to stone the woman caught in adultery. Jesus spoke truth to them. You without sin cast the first stone. Now, Jesus could have said every sin they did for the last 10 years of their life because he knew it. But because of his grace, he didn't. He just said to them in truth, you without sin cast the first stone. And then he tells the woman who's knelt down, as he kneels down to where she is, go and sin no more. Do you see the truth? But you see the grace? We could call all kinds of people out on their sin, couldn't we? We, with Bible knowledge, could, could quote Scripture to people and say, you're out of line, you're out of, go- you're out of line with God. But people need not only the truth, they need us full of grace. So by the way, let me just give you a quick assignment. I often do this for my own life. It's a personal assessment hey, Bernie, how are you doing on the grace and truth scale? Because I like to tell truth a lot. But how are you doing on the grace and the, the, the truth sale, scale? And sometimes I have to correct my life back to the heart of God. It's kind of like um, the wheels on your car. If you've ever had a car out of alignment, you know what I'm talking about. Or you have to turn left to go straight. Ever had a car like that? You understand? or where the tires weren't perfectly balanced and you had this blah, 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 blah going on, right? And so they balance the tires and they align the steering so it's able to go straight if you take your hands off your wheel. Now, don't take your hands off the wheel for very long, but you're able to go straight. And so when our lives begin to drift, what is our place of alignment? We correct back to the heart of being full of grace and truth. The night before Jesus died... He praised these words, John 17. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message that all of them may be one. This is the prayer for Jesus, for the body of Christ. Regardless of what the name is over the door, whether the church is on C Street or H Street or up in the village, all of us are supposed to be united. Not fighters, but uniters. And he says, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. By the way, our witness, our endorsement of Jesus Christ coming to earth is how united we are. Now, we won't agree on everything, but our agreement needs to be that Jesus Christ is the only way to God. Amen? He's the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through him. Our agreement needs to be on the Word of God, that it's the infallible Word of God, no matter what men say, women say. Our agreement needs to be that we're going to be the light and the salt in this dark and tasteless world. That is our agreement again and again and again, and that's our unification point. And then the world will know that you sent me and have loved me even as you have loved me. How precious are these words of Jesus? What he's saying is unity is a sign of love and grace, love and grace. John 13, 35, by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you build a big building, if you have LED lights and a great band. Now, the world will know I came if you have a foosball table in the youth group room. There's a couple of them over there. Now, the world will know that I came by how you love one another. The world will know that you are my disciples, my followers, if you love one another. And I would like to tell you something you already know. Our world is desperate for an authentic representation of the love of Christ. Your neighbors need to know. Your workmates, your buddies and friends out there at Vandenberg, they need to know that they know that they know that you're in love with Jesus. Sometimes you'll preach it, and sometimes you'll be quiet. But through your actions and through your love and your care for them, you'll love them in such a way that they'll ask you why, Then you'll tell them about Jesus. Unity creates belief. He said, they will believe that I came by the united force of the body of Christ. Unity is the atmosphere in which love and grace operate. And when we're united together on purpose, when we're united together our, in our worship, when we're united together in our generosity, when we're united together in our prayer, when you, we're united together to invest in the next generation, when we're united together to serve our community, to love our neighbor like never before, we create an atmosphere in which love and grace operate. Ephesians 4, 3 says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit to the bond of peace. That's our assignment. We make every effort to keep unity. So when somebody wants to whisper, you say, I'm not listening. When someone wants to tell you like a guy yesterday, hey, Pastor B, I got a story to tell you. And he wanted to tell me about another pastor in town. I said, is it good? Is it edifying? Can I quote you on this? He said, no. No. I said, good, then I don't want to hear it, but enjoy your car show. Oh, that was so—that was empowering on my part. He wanted to give me syrup on another pastor in town. And by the way, as he walked away, I said, hey, that pa- I know that guy. I said, that pastor, I love that guy. Tell him I said hi. <laughs> anyway, I thought that was fun. I needed to share it. I don't know why. Unity does not need to be created. It simply needs to be protected. So, as I conclude, and I really will, I promise, most of the times preachers say in conclusion, it means absolutely nothing. This does. The biblical teaching of grace goes against everything that the world is preaching right now. The world believes that God helps those who help themselves. Grace teaches us that God helps those who can't help themselves. The world believes that God's attitude towards us is one of stern disapproval, but grace teaches us that God's attitude is one of love, acceptance, and forgiveness. The world believes that God's mercy has limitations, but grace teaches us that God's mercy is unlimited. His grace is free, and his grace is strong, and it must be shared. So let's show the world the love and the grace of God in and through our lives. Let our children, our youth, the next generation, be redeemed before they need to be rescued. Let's show them the love and grace of God. Your neighbors need you this week. Your coworkers need you this week. And soon as school starts, your schoolmates will need you in the weeks ahead. Can we pray together? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus. Thank you that you came. Anybody want to say that? Thank you that you came. That you died for our sins. We might have life and life everlasting. Lord, we turn from our sins and we turn to you. Change each one of us into the people you want us to be. And I believe this for ourselves individually, as families, as a church. You... Place a purpose and a potential in our lives, and an anointing upon us that we need to walk into and embrace. That God, you have a plan for each one of us. The plan is to serve you and to love you, to make a difference in this world. I pray for your Holy Spirit enablement and empowerment to come, that we might carry out the will of God. And just for 30 seconds, if you would bow your head. Maybe you've never given your life to Christ before. Maybe you've never said, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross and rose again from the dead, and I want you to save my soul. He's here with his love and grace. He's here with his mercy. He's here with the gift of eternal life, and he wants to set you free and give that to you, and fill your heart with his presence. And and if that's you, would you raise your hand about as high as your head? I just want to agree with you. I want to agree with you. Yep, I see you guys back here. Absolutely. We agree with you this morning. And maybe you're watching online. Would you just type in the chat, I'm saying yes to Jesus. You're making the most eternal decision you would ever make. And right where you are, God sees your hand. But more than that, he sees your heart. And he wants to fill you with Jesus. And I encourage you as you leave this morning to go by our prayer team that's going to be stationed there or our ushers, they'll have a yes packet for you to help you get started on your journey. We celebrate your decision. And for all of you, there are people out there much like these who've raised their hands who need Jesus and he wants to bring himself through your life to their life. Don't be shy. You have the gift and the power of salvation. Let's share it with our world. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.